Hello everyone, my name is Micah Johnson and I'm your host for Aquarian Prophecy Podcast. Here we come together to explore the many facets of medicine culture, our social responsibility in the changing world, and how we can embrace the unknown in connection with one another. This first season covers my experience in the Amazon jungle while I was quarantined with an indigenous tribe during the onset of our global pandemic in 2020. Within the culture of Aquarian prophecy, it is my intention to spark curiosity within psychedelic communities and to co-create regenerative structures that welcome the totality of our life here on Earth. I am so grateful for those who like, subscribe, and share with your loved ones as a means of supporting this mission. For the purpose of confidentiality, I have used pseudonames and will withhold specific locations in order to preserve the identities of those involved. With that, let's get started. It's official. Pluto's in Aquarius. And for my more cosmic community, this feels like a very exciting liminal space we have all crossed into together. Aquarius is the archetype that values individuality while simultaneously holding a strong sense of social responsibility and contributing to the greater good of our communities. Aquarius tends to have an unconventional style of approaching whatever it is they're immersed within and will opt towards thinking outside of the box. On a wider collective level, the archetype of Aquarius is fueled by a desire to make major shifts politically, advocating for reform, societal changes, and challenging traditional outdated norms. The archetype of Aquarius is also reliant and connected to the network of various forms of technology. And when I think of the influence and power of Pluto, it is most often associated with deep transformative processes and profound change on a widespread and collective level. Pluto is the planet that rules death and rebirth. In the most recent event of the COVID pandemic, this feels to me to be a very Plutonian event. On a widespread level, our entire world changed in a matter of weeks. And since then, we have entered into an entirely new way of being and living in the world. And I can see the Aquarian influence as we find a balance of being in right relationship to technology in order to sustain our livelihood here on earth. We live in a very unique age 
with how we've witnessed technology, artificial technology evolve. When I was young, in order to chat with my friends online, we would use dial-up and it would cut off the phone system that was connected to the wall. (laughs) And my father said that when he was young, that his parents had remarked that computers were only a phase. And the calculators they told us we wouldn't have on hand while we were in math school are now with us at all times, and they do much more than I could have imagined at that point in time. And the growth and advancements will only continue. And as we have seen, at an exponential rate. It is a relationship that deserves to be respected as the accessibility and communication available can spread rapidly as we all experienced in 2020. I'd like to cycle back to 2017. At the commune where I lived, we had a gathering space for various communities. And here was where we were holding this traditional ceremony. I walked up the hill and into the space and quickly realized I was severely underdressed, wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt, and arrived feeling a bit disheveled and uh, anxious about doing something I had no idea what exactly I was doing. And I looked around and saw various people and women dressed in all white and wearing various beads and feathers. And they each had like little crystals and sacred items set up next to them. And everyone was making a circle in the space as they got comfortable. And so I sat in the circle where all the foam pads and blankets were and awaited the arrival of this indigenous medicine keeper. Soon after, a short man with wide, round eyes entered the space, carrying his guitar and wearing a plethora of red and various colored woven beads around his arms and neck. He had on a headpiece that covered his dark hair that looked somewhat like a tall crown covered in the skin of a snake. He brushed his eyes across the circle as he began setting up his altar, putting out various small containers and bottles and candles. He was very focused. I was contemplating how I would introduce this individual. And my mind kept wandering to the river on the land I was stewarding this past summer. There's a plunge pool spot in this waterway and we had plenty of guests coming through to rest and dip in the water. And this summer, a group of men came and built up the wall to create a blockade around the pool for it to be deeper and hold more people. 
and it served its function. However, as the season turned, the leaves damped up and the water was not able to pass through in its natural cycle. I realized that my relationship with this indigenous leader felt similar to this happening with the water. They meant and they wished to provide order so that the guests could come to the river and plunge in more fully on the hot summer days. However, the water was not able to flow as freely and it wasn't able to follow its natural cycles through its changing seasons. And although the water would eventually make its way through the dam, the channel became stuffed up with leaves amongst the stone barricade that had been created. At first glance and from the outside in, my opportunity with this leader was the opportunity of a lifetime. The appeal of a medicine keeper from another country appointing me to follow in his footstep and learn the wisdom of his sacred traditions felt to be an honor. However, in the years after our time together, I continue to wonder and recognize that there were many facets of this man I will not ever know. And from where I stand, I understand we did our best from what we knew. I will introduce him by the name of Doma. And from a young age, it was his responsibility to care for his tribe. His father, the chief of their nation, made this very clear to him. As he grew older, all of them looked up to him for resources to provide for the well-being of their families. He had his father to look up to, and Doma's great-grandfather's generation was met by the colonizers. Before he was born and while his father was accepting leadership for their nation, he watched his village go from hundreds of peoples and families to less than a hundred. And for the most part, they are largely secluded and immersed fully in the natural world. The few visitors that they received are from the neighboring tribes people who would walk for days to greet them and trade goods. They, for many years, existed within their own world in the rainforest until the fair-skinned folks came to extract resources from their land, to coerce them to become religious and believe in Catholicism, and to end the lives of many of their people. In my first days of entering the jungle, I could feel their openness to myself and the Westerners coming in. At the time, I could not wrap my mind around their generosity of spirit after what had happened in their more recent generations. They hosted me and our group in what they called a maloka, 
or a hut in the outskirts of the village. The leader had told our group there were less than 150 of their tribe members now, rebuilding their culture. I didn't meet many of them as my Maloka was closer to the leader's large home, about a 30-minute walk uphill from where the village people had their homes. As I had shared, the neighboring tribe was a seven-day walk for one of the village men through the forest. Their village was also surrounded by river people. And I didn't understand this fully initially. However, when we arrived, we flew in on a small private plane and then would ride down to the village in small boats. And we would pass by various houses along the water. And then eventually there was a place where there was a gathering of small boats and a shaded structure. And later I learned this area was known as the restoration. It was a trading space where the people of the tribe and the river people would come together to restore their resources. What is unique about where we are now is that the only planes that would come through their area were either dropping off food and resources for survival, or they would drop off the Westerners or the white people, as they would say. Because of globalization and the financial resources this leader was receiving from going on tour in the U.S., he was able to fly in affordable food to not only feed his tribe, but the various river people would receive this as well. This was because of his ability to connect Wi-Fi in his home, to own a cell phone, to communicate with the people in the neighboring cities. And here he would organize people to pick up groceries and supply lists and then have them dropped off in the private plane. And for perspective, there were village people under Doma's rule, and then there were river people living on their own accord nearby. Other than that, they were surrounded by lush, thriving wildlife and forest trees. A vast, self-sustaining ecosystem surrounding their people, providing them with a different internal clock and sense of space than I find in myself and what Westerners hold. We have learned to live in these beautiful boxes we call home and to spend the majority of our time expanding our mental capacity and intellect. While the people of the forest live in tune with the language of the family of jaguars that pass through their village, they listen for the birds that call during the different phases of the moon to know what nights are most appropriate to hunt. And when someone gets sick in their family, 
They bring them to the sacred fountain every day to pray and cleanse their spirit. Westerners would call it school, but for them, it is learning how to listen to the butterflies, snakes, tarantulas, monkeys, and frogs, to the vines and trees and everything in between. When it rains, we stop, find shelter and warmth. We come together. There is no clock here except the turning cycles of the sun and moon that watches over the children as they grow in size and continue co-creating and welcoming more family earthside. His father never left the forest, and Doma knew in order to gain the resources necessary to provide for his people, he needed to venture out into the cities to find how to sustain their family's well-being, which in part is how Doma and I met. In all honesty, I was angry with Doma for years when I left the forest as I didn't remember who I was. I came back to the USA after we had been in quarantine almost half a year. I came back to a new earth and I didn't recognize who I saw in the mirror. And I wonder about Doma and if he has ever felt similar to me. The pressure of needing to fulfill a role placed onto him from his culture at a young age. And though it was placed onto him through his birthright to feed these families and keep them safe, is this what he really wanted? I'm sure in some ways it gave him a sense of purpose, fulfilled him in having duty to be in charge of something greater than him. And no matter where he goes, people look up to him as if he has all the answers. Whether he is surrounded by the Samoma trees sitting in circle with his bloodline, or if he ventures on the plains to experience the cities. People look to him as if he knows what is right and what is just. To experience the city, a privilege. To be engulfed in the stoplights, price tags, and ample resources to the point that folks lose their footing. And to experience this is a gift, a trade to know what opportunities are alive on every corner, diversity of minds and various walks of life. What does living for your community mean to you? How do you know your lived expression 
makes an impact that contributes to the well-being of those that surround you. It's a continuous dialogue within to the places that feel most at home. Internally, when we know ourselves, we know how to respond in care and in the ways we are able. To not be too swayed by the ocean of commitments our community asks of us, while upholding the value and importance of leaning into those growth edges. What do my loved ones need? And is my cup filled enough to share with another? To experience the city, a privilege not many have who live in the forest. They say money grows on trees, but with our changing times, the abundance we receive comes through the screens. This is the coming of the age of Aquarius. For if I named this statement three generations prior, they would laugh and say the screens are merely a phase. Here is where we come together. Seek out a deeper, richer, and greater perspective than what we've been given. Collectively, with the dawning evolution of technology, we have a new vantage point and libraries of information at our fingertips. I am a product of my environment, a product of the society that raised me, and a product of what I choose to hold on to and let go. Our past does not define our future. And with our evolving relationship to ourselves, our communities, and our potential, we have the ability to make what feels to be a distant future arrive at our doorstep with free two-day shipping. And with that, episode two of Aquarian Prophecy Podcast comes to a close. My name is Micah Johnson, and I feel blessed by you sharing this present moment with me. I would like to offer a big thanks to this community. Sharing your reflections with me about these topics and my journey This feels to be a call and response, and I desire to nurture the many facets that come alive as we co-create this together. Our medicine shines through not only when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable from a place of courage, but also when we can be fully received and welcomed by those we offer our time and energy to. To be fully witnessed in love is when natural self-regeneration occurs. You can book clairvoyant medium or spiritual emergence and integration sessions with me on my website, www.aquariumprophecy.com. And to get to know more of your host, myself, feel free to check out my Instagram at aquarian.prophecy. If you are interested in a deeper dive of what's happening 
behind the scenes, you are welcome to my Patreon membership at Patreon slash Aquarian Prophecy. I ask that my words continue to inspire action towards the collective dream for cohesion and cultural perpetuity within our communities. By sharing our gifts, we create a better future for our children. And I ask we remember to walk our medicine in honor and reverence for those who have come before us. I give gratitude to all my fellow earth keepers and water keepers who steward this earth we call home. I am so grateful for the love, receptivity, and curiosity within this community. See you next week. I'm your host, Micah, and this is Aquarian Prophecy Podcast.